Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Yes, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. So, as always, I was just asking, Lord, Father, what do you want to say to your kids? What do you want to say to your children? Because I like looking at myself like a kid. Anybody else want to still consider a child? <laughs> okay. Me too. It keeps me young, even though I'm hobbling around a little bit today, showing my age. Went to the gym this week and tried to uh, do a higher level of flex, hip flexor lift than I'd done in a while. I thought, well, Jackie can do 150. I could do 70. <laughs> I normally do 50, and then, you know, we were doing Holly, bless her heart. She's so good to me. She's been coming over and helping me with my house. And I thought, eh, I can still do the stairs. You know, we ripped all the stair treads out and all the risers out. My body said, Stephanie. So I'm uh, humbling myself before the Lord and just remembering I'm 46. <laughs> my youth is renewed like the eagle, Amen. Laura goes, Stephanie, some 26-year-olds don't even do that. Laura, could you open this? It's hard to do that and chit-chat at the same time. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. So this week, God's been talking to me out of Psalm 11 quite a bit. Some of you are familiar with the season we've been in. If you're familiar with the season that the nation's been in, you kind of know. You know, it's been a little chaotic, right? It's been a little tense. It's been a lot of, um, we are in this era of pay, so the mouth has been kind of, those lips are flapping, and people are figuring out how to restrain themselves and how to love well and what to say and what not to say, and that's okay. Amen? That's okay, because our nation's in process, and the church is in process, right? And what does God promise us? He promises he's going to work all things together for what? Good. That's right. So when we look around and we see all these negative things happening, we know for the body of Christ, he's still good, and he's still going to work all things together for good, even when all that stuff's coming against, right? So I'm not going to read the entire psalm right now, but we'll get there eventually. I'm going to go to the next slide here. And I want to share with you the definition, can you read that okay, of steadfast, okay? This so blessed me today. This particular psalm in the Passion Translation was written by David, but I love the name. It's called the Song of the Steadfast. Can somebody say, I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing in the midst of my thing. <laughs> All right? Doesn't matter what's coming, what's hitting, what's knocking you off balance a little bit. You're going to sing in the midst of your thing. Amen? And we're saying thing because thing is generic and it applies to all of us and it makes it relatable. All right, so listen to this. The definition of steadfast. Resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. Mm, come on. That means we don't move. We were talking about this. I call her Jack Jack. Jack Jack and I were talking about this. To have steadfast loyalty. I was telling her in the conversation, loyalty is so important to me, that Irish part of me. Yeah, we're about loyalty, right? It's about the heart commitment. Faithfulness, commitment, devotion, dedication, and dependability. 
And the song of the steadfast, which we're going to learn from in a moment, we'll read through in a moment, really is about God's dependability towards us. Steadfast comes from two words in the English language. Guess what they are? Stead and fast. It literally means standing firm or unmovable. In other words, no matter what comes, no matter what's said, no matter what it appears like, I am not moving from the thing that God told me to do. By the grace of God, I will not shift. I will not slide. I will not cower. I will not step aside. Amen? Like I said, I was having an awesome combo with Jack-Jack about loyalty and steadfast and how much I love her. And I realized when I woke up this morning, the Lord had been talking to me about it all week long because he'd been talking to me about Psalm 11. So then I'm going through, and he's giving me all these different things and examples of when and how to be steadfast. But I want to show you this really cool image he showed me. Check this out. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at you. Do you see yourself in there? Lear, I want you to picture the face of me an African-American. That was the only one I could find. Okay? Put your face up there. You feel me? Let's look at that wrecking ball. The wrecking ball comes... And it swings with full force of the world, everything intended to destroy the person. And what do they do? The girl's got her arm crest. She's like, please. She's still moving forward. And the man just stands there all calm with his hands in his pockets like, oh, no. And what happens? The very thing that was meant to destroy the believer is destroyed itself. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That is the reality in the spirit of everything that comes against the call of God on your life. So I was talking to daddy as I was doing, what do do you want to tell us about steadfastness, right? And he says, I want you to talk about being steadfast under trial. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man or woman who remains steadfast under trial. For when he or she has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life for which God has promised to those who love him. Number one, blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, you've been persevering? That means you're steadfast. You're blessed. You're blessed, girl. You're blessed, brother. Amen. I'm just going to say it about myself. Say self. You're blessed. All this persevering, all this standing firm, all this standing strong. You're blessed. Come on. Receive that crown of life. Like they were saying earlier, who said it earlier? Put that crown on straight, right? Straighten out that crown. It's all right that you just come out of the pit. No big deal. Why? Because you'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Being steadfast is the fruit of the fact that you love God. That's what it looks like. When you say, I won't stop, I won't give up, I won't quit, I'm going to stand right here with my arms crossed like the lady still walking, or sometimes it's a big crash, and you just kind of put your hands in your pocket like that guy and go, hmm, I'm going to take this hit, and I'm going to catch my breath, and then I'm going to keep moving forward. You know what I'm saying? That's the fruit that you love God. James 1, 2 through 4 says, count it all joy. Say self. 
Count it all joy. Why? My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, anybody had various kinds? Anybody wish it was just one kind so you could like master it and not have to figure it all out again and again and again or it wouldn't come from a different direction? Would you just be able to be like, yeah, I got your number, buddy. <laughs> but you no, know, it doesn't work that way, right? It's various kinds of trials. Like we all wish sometimes it was the same kind of trial and we could just kind of pew, pew, pew. You know, Yosemite Sam, have our little, you know, supernatural wine and shoot them off real easy with supernatural bullets in the spirit, right? And just be full of joy. But the Lord says, count it joy. These various trials, count them joy. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. We just define steadfastness. It's the fruit of our love for God. The testing of our faith produces the fruit in our life of our love for God. It's proof that we love him. In other words, it's a gift we give back. Come on, somebody. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. I don't know about you, but there are days where I'm like, eh, I'm holy enough. <laughs> kind of trial because I'm feeling pretty holy today. I'm pretty looking at neighbor labor over there and I'm pretty sure I'm a couple steps ahead. Do I have to do this again? Is it just me that's unholy and honest or has everybody else been there? Okay, we're all in the same boat. So we have those moments where we're like, shanda da 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 dear Jesus, help me. <laughs> help me, Holy Spirit. I'm feeling fast, but I want to run the other direction. I need some stead in my fast. Amen? All right. So we've all had those days, you know, and it's okay. I mean, it's good to be real with God. God knows anyway. You might as well tell him the truth, right? But the reality is this is the call. This is the call to stand. 1 Corinthians 4, 9, Paul says, God has put us apostles on display. Well, let me tell you this before I read this whole thing. I read, listen to the scripture throughout the night when I sleep. And he woke me up in the middle of the night the other night, and this was plain. And for those of you who I want to, I just want to thank Brent for coming to that meeting the other week. Just thank you. It meant so much to me. I just want to publicly thank you for that. I felt so loved and so supported. The Cago meeting, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, but I... It was shortly after that, and I was listening to the word in the middle of the night. And you know, we all make mistakes, and we're all growing. And sometimes you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do just to maintain unity, to be intentional to maintain unity. And sometimes it's really easy, and sometimes you're wanting to be fast, going the other direction, and not stead facing what you need to face. Okay? And it was kind of one of those moments. I knew something needed to be done. I needed to be intentional. I needed to walk in love. I needed to be gracious. Um, I needed to be honest. I needed to to be humble frankly, and apologize about something I did that was hurtful and caused disunity in the body. And um, this verse comes up, and the Holy Spirit wakes me up out of a dead sleep, and this is what it says. God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like men, I'll say, and women, condemned to die in an arena, supernaturally speaking, right? 
We've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ. And he sarcastically continues and says to the individuals who are mocking him, but you are so wise in Christ, yet we are weak. In other words, the world looks at us and says, they're fools for Christ. Why would you put yourself through that? I actually had an individual say to me one time, you're like the guy on the roof, and you're saying, Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you? And he keeps sending a boat, but you never get on the boat. And he sends a second boat, but you never get on the second boat, right? And Paul says here, they say that we are fools for Christ, but they are wise. In other words, we're not going through all the troubles you're going through, so that makes me a smarter, wiser, better person than you, okay? It's not true. For enduring such problems, and Paul sarcastically continues, but we are weak and you are strong. In other words, you're having these issues. <laughs> you must have done something wrong. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I know. I got to laugh. Right? But what does he say? In my weakness, I am strong. And we know that God always heals. We know that God is always good. And I'm not making a theology out of this. I'm just making a joke, okay? But this is the call. For the world to look at us and go, man, they look weak. And we know he's our strength. For them not to understand. For the slander to go buck wild and go crazy. And for us to just be silent as a lamb and not say a word. Until it comes to our front door and we have to, Right? For people to look at us and say, man, they're fools for Christ. And for us to know we're actually wise. God's using the weak, this weak thing of the world to confound the wise. And then when we do these things, this being the call that this is our high honor. And it's steadfastness. It's fruit of our love for him. It's the gift we give back. It's an overwhelmingly priceless awesome treasure that no one can give but us. It's the only thing no one can give but us. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? God blessed me with that this week. All right, so we're steadfast under trial. Then we're steadfast in persecution. We're going to talk a little bit in a second about the Passion Translation and kind of how I got here this week. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man. There it is again. Tell your neighbors, say, you're blessed. <laughs> blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life for which God has promised for those who love him. Okay, we just read that one. Let's look at, if you've got the Passion Translation, you can open up to Psalm 11 and follow along. I'm going to read, read this and kind of share with you the last few weeks, what came, what came out of this, right? So you all know what was kind of going on there. Uh, some slander and a mistake I definitely made that caused disunity and then some additional slander. And it was just interesting. It was a rough week, rough month, rough month and a half, kind of. Um, but God was so faithful, and I want to I read this to you. The Song of the Steadfast for the Pure and Shining One by King David, and I love that, for the pure and shining one. God is pure, 
And he is always emanating light and truth and goodness and grace and revelation. In verse 1, it says, Lord, don't you hear what my well-meaning friends keep saying to me? Run away while you can. Steadfast, right? We want to do the fast. We don't want to do the stead, <laughs> right? And well-meaning friends will say that, girl. I, ha I literally have people say, you need to step down. You need to quit. You should walk away. And I was like, I'll pray about that. Let me talk to the Lord about that. I'm willing to humble myself. I'm going to ask Father God what he wants me to do. It says, fly away like a bird and hide in the mountains for safety. In other words, protect yourself. For your enemies have prepared a trap for you. Don't you see they're setting you up? They plan to destroy you with their slander and deceitful lies. Can't you see them hiding in their place of darkness and shadows? They're set against you. All those who live upright lives. This is the word the Lord gave me. On 12, 4 of 21. Okay, so that's when some stuff started. Which I didn't share it all with you. It says, but don't they know, Lord, that I have made you my only hiding place? Mm-mm-mm. I'm not going to go to the mountain and protect myself. I'm not going to isolate and go in my home and just look inward and try to keep myself safe. I'm going to hide myself in the Lord because that is the safest place in the universe, always. And I'm still going to go to this meeting and have this conversation. I'm still going to go to this gathering and hear what individuals have to say. I'm still going to humble myself and admit the portion that I did. Why? Because I'm hidden in the Lord. And there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Next play. Next play. His grace is sufficient for me and his grace is sufficient for them. And we will not kowtow to a spirit of religion that says we have to be perfect because no one is. Amen? And we will not capitulate to a spirit of politics that says we have to, mm, I hear the word kowtow, that we have to kowtow to non-kingdom truths to be accepted because we can speak the truth in love. We can still maintain unity without compromising who he is and without compromising his word. Amen? So he becomes our hiding place. It goes on and David sings, don't they know that I always trust in you? Come on, just confess that over yourself. Say, I always trust in you, Lord. I always trust in you. Yes. Why? Not because I am always remembering to do that, but because he's always trustworthy. Amen? What can the righteous accomplish when truth's pillars are destroyed and law and order collapse? And I think there's so many in the nation that are crying out for, with that truth. What can we do, Lord, when law and order collapses, when, when the pillars of truth seem to have been knocked down? This is the word of the Lord right here. Yet the eternal one is never shaken. Mm. Never shaken. He is still found in his temple of holiness, reigning as Lord and King over all. He is closely watching everything. Everything that happens. And with a glance of his eyes, he examines every heart. Mm -mm -mm. For his heavenly rule will prevail over all. Just decree that with me. Say, God's heavenly rule will prevail in this hour. 
in our city, in my life, in this state, and in this nation, and in the nations of the world. That's the truth. He will prevail. His rules shall prevail. It always wins. It never fails. Love never ever fails, and God is love. It says he will test both the righteous and the wicked, exposing each heart. Now, as righteous, we don't have to worry about it because when he exposes our heart, we have a savior that we can run to. With the wicked, it's really scary. So a lot of times they run away and they hide from the truth, right? But that's usually a sign that you're leaning on your own righteousness or you, you, you don't know his. You don't know the gift that's available, right? When we say there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, that's the truth. There isn't. Never. From now and the day you accepted Christ until all eternity. No condemnation. It's all paid for. He knew exactly what you were going to do, how you were going to do it, when you were going to do it, who you were going to do it with or without. And he says, I paid for that. Will you receive my forgiveness? So the beautiful thing for those of us that are righteous is when our heart's exposed, it's just an opportunity to exchange that pain, that sin, that place of weakness for his strength. That's why in our weakness we are strong. Amen? It goes on and it says in the song of the steadfast, God's very soul detests those who love to resort to violence. Anybody been there? Pre-Christ? Baby Christ? <laughs> Lord, I just want to whack them. Whack them all. I want to. Um, let's be honest. Okay? If we can't be real, we all have days. Okay? That's violence. We don't have to resort to violence. Why? Because we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus and we rule and reign with him. So we can take our seat as kings and say what he says and watch us shift and do what he tells us to do and grow in holiness and godliness and look more like him in situations shift. We don't have to play whack-a-mole anymore. That's too much energy. Too much energy. Amen? I don't know if you guys remember that as kids. The little mole pops up out of the hole, and you got to hit it with a hammer, and everybody's trying to beat it faster than the other person. Half the time, you whack the person you're playing against, and sometimes you do it on purpose. I mean, just because you're like, come on, I want to win this game. <laughs> okay, let's be honest. <laughs> We don't have to play whack-a-mole anymore. We just sit and decree and declare, and it is so. Isn't that awesome? It says in verse 6, He will rain down upon them, referring to the wicked and those who love violence, judgment for their sins. A scorching wind will be their portion and their lot in life. But remember this, the righteous Lord loves what is right and just, and every godly one will come into his presence and gaze upon his face. So when we resort to violence and the whack-a-mole syndrome, we get tired and we get weary and we get dry and that scorching wind comes and makes it hot and our efforts seem like they're for nothing and we basically wear ourselves out. But for the righteous... We come into his presence, and we gaze upon his face, and we behold his beauty, and we're literally transformed into more of his image. Come on, somebody. That gets me excited. That gets me excited. He's so good. I'm going to change slides here. Oh, wait, we got one more on that one. 
So steadfast in persecution. David's friend was saying, run, and the Lord was saying, I'm with you. We stand. Matthew 5, 11, and 12 says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Anybody been persecuted before? For who you are in Christ, not because you were whack-a-mole in somebody? Okay. Just, I'm just checking, because I've had both, okay? <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, we all have, right? If you love Jesus, you've, you've probably gotten some of that, okay? It says, you're blessed. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yours is the kingdom. That means you're actually carrying the kingdom. Persecution is fruit or proof or the litmus test that you actually carry the kingdom in. You are a danger to the kingdom of darkness. Come on, somebody. I must have him lit up. That boy's got a bullseye on my back. I'm just saying, hey, put me on that most wanted wall. That's right. I'm just saying, right? Remember, it says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? I want him to say, Stephanie, I know. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? That's right. Because greater is he that lives in me than he who is in the world. Greater is he that lives in you, Alan, than he who's in the world. Just like Alan was saying, it's not a complicated thing. It's a simple thing, but it can be difficult to walk it out sometimes, right? But when you put your feet on the floor in the morning, the devil's saying, ooh, Brent just woke up. Watch out. He's about to release that guitar sound. Ooh, Cammy just woke up. Hold on. She's about to be nice to somebody mean at work again. Ooh, Lyra just woke up. She's going to encourage somebody on that bus route again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ooh, Donna just woke up. She's going to go bless them little traumatized kids at school again. I'm just saying. He trembles when you get out of bed. Blessed are you when people insult you. Check. Blessed are you when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Check, check. Rejoice and be glad. Come on. Rejoice means do it again. Be joyful again. <laughs> right? So those various trials, you just keep rejoicing. Going, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for another opportunity. Thank you that I'm, this is fruit, that I'm still on your side. I'm still advancing your kingdom. I'm still being used by you. Thank you, God. I rejoice. I am full of joy again because it's just proving the truth that I do love you. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. It says requested. That's funny. Great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So in other words, you're in good company. All the prophets, all the apostles, all the evangelists, all the teachers that have gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses are peering over the portals of heaven watching you and watching me. And I just imagine sometimes that they have conversations. Did you see what Patty just did for her daughter? That was amazing. Right? Your aunties and your uncles and your maybe sisters and brothers or husbands or wives, your family members, your grandmas, your moms, your dads, your great grandmas. I don't know who's there. You know, your brothers, your sons, your children maybe. 
but they're peering over the portal of heaven and saying, did you see what my grandson did? Did you see what my sister just did? Did you see what my dad just did? Come on, somebody. And I think they rejoice with us. I really do. And I love that it says great will be your reward. It's not for naught. You know, God isn't some narcissist father in the sky who just wants to put us through trouble. We actually get to participate in the divine glory every single time we say yes to his hard thing. Every time we're steadfast. So the next one is steadfast in the work. So steadfast in the trial, steadfast in the persecution, steadfast in the work. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have gifts. And guess what? You got to work. Because the body needs them. That's right. The body needs you. There's something you have that the body needs. So there's work to be done. 1 Corinthians 15.5 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. In other words, always growing and becoming more and more difficult. So we don't just little dabble do you. I'll try this little piece. You're supposed to be growing and abounding and going to something bigger, something greater, something more difficult, something that's not in your comfort zone. It should be getting, it should be challenging. It shouldn't just be kumbaya, I learned how to color, I'm going to color the rest of my days. Okay? So change and transition and new things are a good thing. Sometimes they're uncomfortable, but it's a really good thing because that means you're still in your metamorphosis process. You're coming into more of Christ in you, the hope of glory, whatever that looks like. Amen? Coming into greater levels of restoration, like Anne was sharing earlier. Okay? And I love this piece. Your labor is not in vain. It's not for naught. It's producing something in you, and it's producing something in others. It's bearing fruit. Amen? So we can be encouraged in those ways, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you can always look back on your journals and say, man, look at how far I've come. Thank you, God. This labor is producing something to me. Brent and I talk about this all the time with Throne Room. We're like, man, look at what God is doing. Can you remember where we started and where we are today and the leaders in our midst and where they were when we started and where they are now, even though, you know, Jane's halfway across the nation? I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. We should see that fruit in us, and we should see it in others. And for this gathering, we see big fruit in our city, big fruit in our city, and really the state. And I'm going to share a little bit of good news. You guys don't know where this may be yet. Um, this past, I don't know when it was, Lord, when was it? Last Monday, was it last Monday, that meeting? Um, the first apostolic gathering in our state was held by the First Nations people and by Cindy Williams, who is un ordained under Chuck Pierce and has been doing prophetic research and roundtables for years. And there were only 30 people invited, and I was asked to be on the Apostolic Council for the state, the first one in the history of the state. Absolute honor. I was the youngest person in the room. We had people like 85 all the way down to in their 50s, and I was the youngest person in the room. And it was an absolute honor to be there. So as part of this body, you guys need to know that's what God is doing here in our midst. Okay? 
just be aware and be encouraged. All right, so steadfast in the work. We need to be steadfast and abounding in the work, which I, I know that each one of you are. And we need to be steadfast and moving forward. Say, legs, move. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally saying that today, but <laughs> that's laughing. But seriously, we have seasons where it's like, mm, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm having a hard time picking up my feet and making me do it. Right? And that's a sign usually you need some rest or you need a little more time with the Lord or, you know, maybe some healing in a certain area. And that's okay. Transition, it causes all that stuff to float to the top. So make sure you're taking the time to get the, you know, get it look, get that dross swept off by his grace. Kind of, he can look over and go, oh, there I am. You know, I see me now. Right? That's important. Joshua 1, 5 through 8 says, be strong and courageous. <laughs> I love autocorrect. It says, be sturgeon. Be sturgeon. That's a fish. It is, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. He says it twice. Twice. God doesn't just repeat things for the sake of repeating it. He says it twice because we're going to need to hear it twice. Like a fish going upstream. That's right. Like a sturgeon going upstream. Come on, prophetic intercessor. That's it right there. <laughs> Be careful to obey all my servant Moses gave you and do not turn from it to the left or to the right. Okay? So we could say Jesus gave us, right? Do not turn from it to the left or the right that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law, and we would say the covenant or the reality of what Jesus did for you and the fullness of his inheritance as well, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, all day long. Keep chewing. Keep chewing. That's like a cow chews grass, cud. It's got multiple stomachs. It goes back and forth between the stomachs. It brings it back up and chews on it again, <laughs> right? Sometimes you've got to regurgitate some things, you know, and go, hmm, I kind of need the taste of this again. Right? It says, be strong, be courageous, and do not be dismayed. To be dismayed means to be deprived of strength or firmness of mind. I didn't know that. And it's the very opposite of being steadfast. So in other words, do not be deprived of firmness of mind. And right now in our society, the political spirit's trying to tell us, you are arrogant if you have a firm stance on anything. You are arrogant, you are prideful, and you have a problem. But the word says, do not be dismayed. Do not be deprived of strength. Do not be deprived of a firmness in mind which constitutes courage. To be dismayed means to be discouraged or disheartened, to cause one to sink or depress their hope down, to cause them to be passive. Anybody seeing that in the nation? Come on. Or disheartened. Mm-mm-mm. And this is why. It says, because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Turn to the neighbor and say, that means you. That means you. 
You will lead someone. You will lead them. That is what this is all about. That's why he wants you to be strong. That's why he wants you to be courageous. Because you are called to lead. Even little Carrington, when she's given her prophetic words, she's leading us. It doesn't matter how old or how young. It doesn't matter what ethnicity, what earth suit you've got, male, female. What ethnos, African-American, Latino, French, Jewish, Swedish, Brazilian, Puerto Rican, okay, Chinese, Taiwan, Taiwanese, doesn't matter. Singaporean, does not matter. Irish, girl, yeah, you're feeling my, you're feeling my bloodline. Irish, amen. But you will lead these people to inherit the land. 2 Peter 1.3, moving forward. So we've got to move forward. That means we've got to step into the land. We've got to realize that we're called to lead people into the land, and we have to be strong and courageous, and we have to not be dismayed. Second Peter 1.3 says, Christ bought our inheritance. Well, it doesn't say. This is the deal. This is what the Lord told me this morning. Christ bought our inherited land for us. We gain it as we gaze upon him and are courageous enough to face the idols in our life and exchange them for his glory. Okay, 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says, His divine power has given us what? Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of who? Him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And I love the King James version of this. It says, to obtain our inheritance or an inheritance that will not fade away, which is reserved in heaven for us. Come on. Sorry, my computer's trying to do updates. <laughs> All right. Then we need to be, so we need to be steadfast in persecution, steadfast in trial, steadfast in work, steadfast in moving forward, and we need to be steadfast in faith, right? And I love this, because this is the heart of a spiritual father. He says, for though I am absent in body, even though you're not here, like Jaden's not with us anymore, you know, a couple people have shifted, uh, Holly's not here today. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order, that you're obeying the Lord, you're in order, you're doing what God's telling you to do, and the firmness of your faith in Christ, and that you've got your eyes set on Jesus, and you're doing what's in your heart to do, you're obeying the voice and the thing that he's telling you, that's good order. Beseder, isn't that what you said it was, Alan, Beseder? And yeah, everything is in order, all is in order. Right? So we were so blessed. Can we just thank God for Alan one more time for the Seder service that he did for us? Wasn't that awesome? And Brent did that awesome worship. It was just such a blessing to fellowship together. Such a blessing to fellowship together. And we're walking out, and he was re Alan was reminding us that the greeting in Hebrew, when they say, how are you doing today? That's the answer. People say, Beseder. All, everything is in order. Right? And we're steadfast in faith. And keeping our eyes on Jesus, and we're firm in our faith, everything is in order. And it comes from that place of rest, the place of keeping our eyes on him and knowing that we know that we know. He is who he says he is, and he'll do exactly what he said he'll do. Amen?
He never fails us. All right. And then we have to be steadfast in confidence. And we talked about this a little bit earlier when we talked about being okay with sharing our voices, right? Hebrews 3.14 says, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. What's our original confidence? That it is finished. That he is the son of God. That he always fulfills his promises, right? We can have confidence in him. Our confidence isn't in ourselves or in our own ability to get ourselves there or in our own ability to hear the strategy or get the revelation. Our confidence is in his goodness and his faithfulness that he'll give it. And that literally, just like Jesus did with Father God, all we got to do is hear what he wants us to say and say it with the heart of love and see what he wants us to do and do it with the heart of love. And he brings the power that makes it happen. He brings the healing that casts the sickness out. He brings the deliverance that brings the fragmentation together and commands the oppressors to leave. He does it all. But we have confident, we are very confident he is willing and well able. After what he did on the cross, I have absolutely no doubt there's not a single thing Father God would not do for me. that aligns with his will, right? That aligns with love and redemption and restoration. So we got to be steadfast in our confidence, but our confidence in him. And then steadfast in reflecting on his goodness. And this is so important. I was glancing over Psalm 136 in the NIV um, version, and it literally repeats... Goodness gracious, 26 times. There's 26 letters in the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. Is that true? No, there's 26 in American. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, okay? But it repeats it 26 times. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures or is steadfast forever. In this version I've got here, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love, his standing firm love, his unmovable love, his never changing love, his steadfast love endures forever. And it says that 26 times. And then the author goes back in the song and reminds himself or herself in the Lord, what? the Lord's love looks like. It says, to him who alone does great wonders, his steadfast love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his steadfast love endures forever. And he begins to help us think about Father God is the creator and all the things. He's steadfast to keep the sun and the moon and the stars in place. He was steadfast to create mankind. He was steadfast to cause the angels that rose up against him to fall down to the earth. He was steadfast when he sent his son. He was steadfast at the cross. He was steadfast and patient with humanity all those years. All those years. Even though, you know, we're not perfect and we make mistakes and we fail. His steadfast love endures forever. 
And I love that because there's no mark we can miss. There's nothing that we can do that's going to cause Father God to stop loving us. He always loves you. He always loves me. My favorite word from this past New Year's gathering was Brent's word on um, next play. We've been joking about it all year, all year long because it's nice and it's short and it's simple and it's easy to remember. Next play. And it's so true. Yeah, of course. You've got to look at it that way. Yes, you do. That's right. We can't be, to be steadfast, we've got to be facing forward. We've got to be facing our future. We've got to be facing what's next. If we're looking back like this, without looking back and knowing what's next, we miss the mark. We miss the steadfast love. We miss the opportunities. Come on. So it's so important to reflect on his goodness. I know we talk about journaling a lot here, and journaling is so important to me. I probably have 70 journals. I had somebody say to me, geez, all you do is journal, 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 journal. You know, they're looking at my bookshelf. I said, well, I, it's important to me what God said because I want to remember and I want to reflect on his goodness because if I'm going to fulfill the fullness of who he's called me to be, and if we are, we're going to come under trials, various kinds. We're going to come under persecutions. And so I need to be able to go back and reflect on, oh, yeah, he was good to me specifically here in this situation, and he did this. I know he can do this too right? Because it says it all throughout the word, and we can get it in the word, but it's different when your faith becomes your own. When it's like, yes, I can say with David, I can say with Paul, I can say with Esther. In those same moments, when my Haman come that I said, if I perish, I've perished, and God protected me. You know, to have those testimonies to reflect on his goodness, oh, it strengthens your faith, something fierce. Amen? All right. I'm coming back to this picture. Look at that. Oh, that's, yeah, being steadfast is the trait we get from our Father God. We are steadfast because we're going faith to faith, from faith to faith, and glory to glory, and we're looking more like him every day. So every time we behold his beauty and we exchange our weakness for his strength, we become more and more steadfast. And that the wrecking balls of life come in and try to take us out, but the reality is the more we focus on him, the more we receive more of his goodness and his steadfast love for us, the more steadfast we are in our walk and the more we look like him. It's actually as if the, the, we're hiding ourselves in the strong tower of who he is. And when that wrecking ball comes, you can't see it, it's invisible, but it's the strong tower of the finished work of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach that we're standing in, and that wrecking ball hits him and is absolutely obliterated. And eventually we get to a place where things that may be in the beginning of our walk with Christ, you see the girl, she's still walking. Her arms are crossed. It didn't even face her so much. She didn't even have to stop. She just kept on walking. Her legs are still moving. Right? Where in seasons before, like the guy, we had to take a breather and get our stance, you know, because we knew this one was going to hurt a little bit. You, as you continue to persevere, 
to be steadfast. You get to the point where you just keep on walking. It hits you, it gets destroyed, and you just keep on marching forward and doing what Daddy asked you to do. It's like, all right, then. Greater is he in me than he who's in the world. Sometimes you just got to sing a song to yourself. Make something up, you know? Well, that's really what the Psalms are. It's David and a bunch of prophets and apostles, kings, encouraging themselves in the Lord through song, singing about their problems and their woes and the goodness of their God to deliver them, releasing a, a quantum sound as they shift from looking at the circumstance and the thing that's coming at them to take them out to looking at their Father God and saying, hmm, I choose this. This is actually true. It's the sound of a mindset shift. The sound that opens the heavens and brings glory to earth. The sound of the literal kingdom of God coming here and now. They come in maybe feeling one way or discouraged or dismayed, but they leave full of courage. They leave steadfast and firm and strong and ready to face the day, knowing that they know that they know God is good and his steadfast love endures forever. So I want to read this one more time. To be steadfast means to be resolutely or dutifully firm, unwavering, to have steadfast loyalty, faithfulness, commitment, devotion, Dedication and dependability. Ultimately, we're called to be steadfast in our loyalty to him. Amen? To his word. If you're being steadfast or loyal to something and it doesn't align with God's word, that's a big red flag. Run. Forrest, run. Quick, get out of there. To his ways and to the building of his kingdom, not our own. And when we do, he says, great will be our reward. 1 Corinthians 3, 8 10 through 10b says, Now the one plants and the one waters, the one who waters are equally important. Turn to your neighbor and say, what you do is just as important as what I do. My portion matters. Your portion matters. But each will be rewarded for his own work. We're on the same team, it says. We are co-workers with God. You are God's cultivated garden, the house that he is building, you and I, the ecclesia. God has given me unique gifts as a master builder who lays a good foundation, and afterwards another craftsman comes along and builds on top of it. And that's okay. That's okay. That's healthy. Amen? So listen to this next piece here. So builders, okay? And I believe you guys are builders. You wouldn't be in this congregation if you weren't a builder of some kind. Builders, beware. Let every builder do his or her work carefully according to God's standards. 
For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. The quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent. Whether it has been built with gold, silver, or costly stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, their work will soon become evident. For the day will make it clear. Because it will be revealed by, it says blaming fire, but it's actually flaming fire. But it's a blaming fire too, if I'm being honest. I don't know, maybe the Lord was prophesying through my fingers today. <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> it reveals, right? And the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his or her work stands the test of fire, he will or she will be rewarded. If his work is consumed, he will suffer great loss. And this is the encouragement from the Lord. Therefore, be steadfast. Be firm. I just hear a resolute, well done to many of you in the room. Well done for being dutifully firm, well done for being unwavering, well done for having steadfast loyalty, well done for being faithful, well done for being committed, well done for your devotion, well done for your dedication and dependability. I just think Father God is saying, well done, great will be your reward. Being steadfast is a gift that is freely given to us through the armor of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, through his finished work on the cross. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this world's darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you will be able to stand. You'll be able to stand your ground. And having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And in addition to this, take up your shield of faith with which you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, you are saved, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Sometimes we're up against something and we just don't know what to pray. In tongues, praying in tongues is perfect rest. It's perfect prayer. Holy Spirit praying in you and through you. And I joke about this, but seriously, I probably look like Someone from another country in the car sometimes. <laughs> Saying a foreign language at the top of my lungs. But I'm telling you, I'll go by a building or I'll go by a place or I'll go by an individual and I don't know what's wrong. The Lord isn't revealing it to me because it's his secret between him and her or her and them. But the Lord says, I want you to pray now. And I just start praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. Why? Because Holy Spirit knows. And he loves that person. He loves that place. He loves that, the people in that home or that business. Amen? 
To this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. And then Paul says this, and I just added this because it was cute. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me that I will boldly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it fearlessly as I should. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.